I was having a moment uh, during that song in the back where, uh, for those who are newer to our church, we've only been in this space a year, really. We, we, our first service, our, when we had people come in, was on Easter Sunday a year ago. Uh, in the basketball games, when they do the dust and they throw it up and all that kind of stuff, I'm like, we should have done that because it was so dust. This is the only room that wasn't just absolutely in chaos. But it's so good to be with you on Easter Sunday. Happy Easter. He's risen. I hope you were saying that along if you knew that one there online. Well, I remember the first time that I said that, and I actually meant it. I remember the first Sunday that happened. In fact, I even remember what I was wearing. <laughs> and it was 1986. So you can kind of put your head together. I, I, I had a, I, I purposely, because this was the first time I met this, I was in high school. It was my junior year. And, and for the first time, I really meant this. Um, and I remember I was going to purposely choose my most Eastery clothes. I'm like, what? I remember my East, most Easterly clothes. Well, in the 80s, it wasn't too hard to find Easterly clothes. So, so I had my baby blue shirt with a little subtle uh, plaid pattern with uh, pink and white. I had a pastel yellow cardigan over the top of it. I had the light-washed Levi's. And of course, they were rolled up at the bottom. Man, I was all set. You know, my parents had brought me to Easter services all my life, but this was the first one where it was a choice. I wanted to be there. I had been discovering a God who was bigger than I thought he was. And after 17 years, things were starting to click. That Easter, March 30th, 1986, it felt like an exclamation point for me of all these things that God had been doing leading up to that, that, that day. But just when I started to think I had Christianity all figured out as a 17-year-old, I would see something in the Bible that I never noticed before. Or I'd meet someone who was further along in their faith than I was, or I'd have an experience that just unlocked a whole new level that I didn't even know was there today, my faith walk. It still has exclamation points, but I got a whole lot more question marks, a whole lot more question marks. Any of you relate to that? Well, the Christian experience, it is often filled with moments that are both, where there's an exclamation point and it's a question mark at the same time. Those, wait, what moments? I I seem to have a whole lot of those. And if you set out to sincerely follow Jesus, there will be moment after moment after moment when you think you have this figured out, and surprise, there's another level, or there's something that stretches your categories Or you experienced something you just did not see coming. Well, for the last six weeks, our church family, we've been looking at Lent through the lens of Luke. Luke is filled with, wait, what moments? If you were one of the original readers, imagine, here you are, you're just barely into this account, and here is a king in a manger. And for us, as modern readers, we had one of those not too long ago. We came across a phrase, a disabling spirit. What do you do with that? From beginning to end, Luke is filled with, wait, what moments, teachings, and stories that stretch our narratives about money and about power and about relationships and who's in and who's out. One of the things we've continually circled back to in this series, is how Jesus' inner circle 
of disciples, they had to continually adjust their categories. Who is this? From teacher to rabbi to master to Lord. And even when it appeared that Peter finally got it right, he said, you're the Christ. A verse later, we realize his definition of Christ and Christ's definition of Christ were two very different things. They were miles apart. Well, Easter, this day that we're celebrating today, Easter is filled with, wait, what moments? The women arrive at the grave where Jesus' body was laid. They're met by angels who said, why are you looking among the dead? Because he's dead? From dawn's early light, it was one wait what moment after another. So we're going to take a look at this. And because it's Easter, we tossed in a little something here for the, for the group at Studio Church that we're calling the Easter Crossword Challenge. Let me quickly tell you the origin story of this thing. Here's the origin story. So Pastor Dan tells me that we've got young adults that created their own version of Wordle called Churtle, right? Churtle. They got church wordle. So they have their own thing based on these messages where they're, they're creating all this. Um, and I'm also aware of something called Sunday staples where points are awarded if you see things that you expect and if you also see things that you don't expect. You get bonus points for those. So with all of these little things going on out there, we thought we'd have our own. So what's happening is, as we're filling in blanks, they've got their own little crossword puzzle here that they'll be filling in, and we even got prizes for you guys if you complete them. So a little, little fun thing to keep us going. All right, well, let's open up our Bibles here today to our Easter Sunday text in Luke. Now, again, that's the book we've been looking for. If you don't have a Bible at home, too, we, we encourage you to get one. There's one of your staples, right, with encourage, yeah? That's two. What was the other one? Encourage it. So we just filled in two of the, the Sunday staples here. Um, so if you, <laughs> if you don't have a Bible home, go to Bible.com. they got a great app there for you. But let's go. Resurrection story, the account, as found here in Luke. Luke chapter 24. We're going to start with verses 1 through 4. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Well, so it begins. And if you're taking notes, I invite you to write this down. And you can see where it fits in in your card also, if you don't leave a space. Here we go. When uh, the women saw the empty tomb, they were perplexed. When the women came to the tomb, they thought they knew what to expect, but things weren't as they expected them to be. And they were perplexed. What's going on? Dead bodies don't dis disappear, unless you're Yoda. What did appear, though, were two men dressed in dazzling apparel. And we all know what dazzling apparel looks like. Light blue shirt, plaid pink and pastel cardigans and light watch Levi's rolled at the bottom. That is the definition of dazzling. All right, let's get back to our text here. Verses 5 through 12. 5 through 12. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, 
but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told these things to the eleven and all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But the words seemed to them like an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping in and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Nobody saw this coming, even after the miracles, even after as far back 10 chapters ago, Jesus was saying these things. Actually, at this point, even more than 10 chapters ago, there's confusion, there's astonishment, there's fear. What just happened? Luke continues with his account. This is really interesting. The section we're about to read, the only place you can find this in the entire Bible is right here. This is exclusive content to Luke. We're going to look here at starting with uh, verses 13 through 18. Let's start there. All right. That very day, Two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all of these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem? who does not know the things that happen there in these days. Now, I learned uh, some new things about this section this week. I never stopped to think about who these two people are. And a whole lot of people have done a whole lot of thinking about that. The evidence from the text itself seems to indicate they're insiders. This is a very short period of time. This had just happened, and they already know about this. So, so they're insiders, but this Cleopas, he's not one of the 12 disciples. And so, who who is this? Who are these two people? Well, in my head, I've always pictured two men walking together. But does Luke say that? He doesn't. And most of the sources that I was looking at studying this passage this week, they think it was a husband and wife. And here's why. If we draw from all four of the accounts, we know that there was a woman named Mary at the cross, and she had a husband named Colpus, which in English, if you're just, you're just missing an E, and you've got Cleopas. Now, this wouldn't be the first time that a New Testament calls the same person by more than one name. And this could have been one of the many Marys then who was a part of this whole thing. And this is her husband. She was, she was with him. Well, let's go back to our text. That's just speculation, but here we go. Uh, 24, 19 through 21a. And he said to them, what things? And they said to Jesus, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one to come and redeem Israel. They had hoped, they had hoped, they said, that Jesus would be the one who was going to redeem Israel so close. They were so close to getting it right. He was the long-awaited redeemer, but did he only come to redeem Israel? 
He had come to redeem all who had placed their faith in him. And was it as simple as there's a prophet that came to, re- to help deliver people from suffering? Part of that was he was going to deliver them through his suffering. Jesus is not fitting into the boxes and the categories they had him in. All right, let's pick up where we left off. 24, and we'll, uh, chapter 24, still 21b through 26. Yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things had happened. Moreover, some women from our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? I don't want to get too distracted by this whole thing of who were those two people, but there seem to be some clues here. Um, Instead of saying, oh, foolish men in the Greek, it's translated well here, foolish ones. All right, let's keep reading verses 27 through 32. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village where they were staying, and he acted as if he was going further. And he urged them strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us? Well, he talked to us on the road while he opened up the scriptures. If you're taking notes or doing the challenge, I invite you to write this down. The experience on the Emmaus Road, it was an eye-opener. Eye-opener. Jesus taking bread and breaking bread, it's obvious callbacks. It's callbacks to the Last Supper that we had just seen, the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, but it gets really interesting if you go back even further. Think of all the way back to the very first shared meal between the first husband and wife in the entire Bible when Eve said, hey, take a bite of this fruit. And the text says what? His eyes were open. Think how different the start of a new era is when it says their eyes were open. So different. There is so much happening in this text. It's so many levels. It's calling back to what happened right before, a while back, all the way back to Genesis. No wonder people are confused and perplexed. All right, let's keep going. Luke 24, 33 through 42 says this, And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And they were, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. And they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Do doubts rise in your hearts? See my hands, my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And look at this. 
while they, were, while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. This thing had them so completely bewildered that Luke describes them as disbelieving for joy. I have never heard that phrase outside of the Bible in my life. Have you ever heard someone say, oh, well, obviously you are disbelieved for joy. So <laughs> let's start by writing something. I invite you to write this down, then I want to talk about this a little bit. When Jesus appeared later in Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that's our next place, they disbelieved for joy. I actually asked the teaching team when we were, we were getting ready for this message, I said, can you fact check, because I, I got zero Greek, right? So can you fact check the ESV's translation? Because disbelief for joy, it seems like such a strange combination of words. And so they did. They, they, they went and pulled up the, the Greek, and here they are, side by side. You got Luke 24, 41 in, in the version we just read, and then there it is in the literal Greek. The ESV sounds so strange, because this is a wonderful mix of emotions. They're having to create these phrases around them. Imagine trying to create an emoji for disbelief for joy. Or imagine this is an improv class. I'm your, I'm your coach. All right, ready? I want you to try this. Give me disbelief for joy. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I got one person even attempting it. Even one only even attempted it. Disbelief for joy, what is it? You know, how do you even how do you even do that? And here's the thing: it isn't over yet. It's not over yet. Luke 24, 44 through 45. And then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. From there, Jesus began to teach why this needed to happen and how important it is for this good news to be shared with the whole world. He also went on to say, you're going to be receiving power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and it's going to come soon. And then, get this, he leads them out. You can read all this right in Luke. He leads them out of town. He blesses them. And it says he was carried up into heaven. What just happened? Can you imagine being them? And then that brings the book of Luke to a close. But was that the end? No, Luke writes a whole nother volume. And you can write this down. If you sincerely follow Jesus, the discoveries keep coming. They just keep coming. Can I get an amen? And that wasn't just back then. If you sincerely follow Jesus, the discoveries will keep coming. So here's the question. It's true. And this is an important question. If the discoveries keep coming, if you're following Jesus, when was the last time you had a wait? What moment? With God, there's only one word left on our Easter crossword challenge. You have almost all the words. There's only one more word that you need. Do any of you think that you might know the answer to it? It starts with a Y. It ends with a U. What do you think it is? Front row. 
You! Nice job. Yes, that is our last word. We invite you. We invite you to discover a deeper, more meaningful walk with God. On the backside of that uh, card that we passed out here with them, we've got an invite to the next series, and that goes out to you on our online community. We invite you to join us for this one, this next series. If you are not interested in Christianity, I get you. I tried so hard before that Easter Sunday to walk away from Christianity. And the deeper I dug, the more I find that is just something that's not easy to do. There's more there than I ever thought, ever imagined. We want to invite you to come because we are going to devote an entire week just to that. If, if you're curious about Christianity, but you're not ready to commit or not even sure what does that mean, we would love for you to come because we're going to explore that together too. If you consider yourself a Christian, but sometimes you wonder, does Jesus consider me a Christian? We're going to have that conversation as well. One of the weeks I'm looking forward to the most comes out of a discovery that I've been making over the last couple months, and that has to do with, is it possible to share your faith in a way that does not feel awkward or forced? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. And we're going to have a conversation about that. And then when we bring the disciple, the, um, the, the series to a close, I had another aha moment similar to the one I had about witnessing, about discipleship. I'm going back to the scriptures. And what a lot of times we are taught is a biblical model for making disciples, it's not. There's a better way that is life-giving and you're doing it together. So I would love wherever you're at in your discovery, in your walk, especially if you feel stuck, we would love for you to join us because the discoveries keep coming. So I'm excited. I'm excited for what's ahead, but I'm also excited for right now because let's celebrate there's an empty tomb. There's an empty tomb. And we've got a great song to do that with. So let's, let's all pray, and then I'm going to ask you, to, in fact, let's just stand right now, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to sing this song. Father, thank you that we can celebrate today in a world that is so broken, in a world where there is so much death and there is so much destruction, and there is so there are so many reasons every direction we turn to think there isn't hope, there is. And you gave it to us, and you continue to give it to us. So Father, may we right here, right now, wherever we are, may we celebrate that moment together. In Jesus' name, amen.